All right, not going to touch the mic from now. Okay, everyone note the time. This is when he said he was not going to touch the mic anymore. And we'll just <laughs> we'll just see how many minutes. I'll 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 give you all a heads up. Just don't Okay. Cuz when I no, I'm just I'm making sure. I'm getting cuz I think part of it's I ordered a new cable. Oh. Uh-huh. You know, I've I've spent some coin on this podcast setup. That's yeah. No, you know? I mean, I appreciate the investment finally. Yeah. Can't finally. I was thinking <laughs> earlier today, speaking of that, I was thinking, do you remember the days when I I mean, now I don't t- now I take the podcast like quite seriously like I was upstairs watching videos and writing notes and stuff. And I remember the days when I was when I'd just like blow you off, like we'd we'd agree on a time and and then I'd be like, oh, I can't do it today or whatever. And that must have been incredibly frustrating. At the time, I just didn't even think about it. I was just like, oh, whatever. It's just a whatever. But now I think maybe because I have less to do. <laughs> but <laughs> now I'm like, you know, eagerly setting up. and Yeah. And now I know. get to be the one that turns up late. And take yeah, like you're a perverse, the bad boy. Take a perverse pleasure in it, just like I know Michael's ready and waiting, and I'm just still eating my meatballs. Yeah, it's kind of pathetic, actually, on my part. <laughs> just how, um, just how ready to go I am. Yeah, you shouldn't be. But proud it's, of this it's the highlight of my fortnight. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be real rough for Emma to hear, but okay. Yeah, eh. <laughs> it's it's the highlight of hers as well because she gets she gets some quiet me, time so, for yeah. a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how's how's the sanity meter? Sanity meter, pretty good. Although you know, extension. Although the extension was a real kick in the dick. Um, the feeling amongst Melbourne, I keep, I feel like I say this every podcast, so I won't dwell on this. But I think the feeling after the announcement that they made that it was going to be extended was like real grim. Like everyone was defeated. I know you were probably optimistic, but did you not consider it a possibility? Oh no, we I we 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 expected to have the um to have the ex, the lockdown extended, um, but it was just like hearing the hearing the actual news, um, you know, and it's not just that; it's like it's just a, such a slow slow roadmap out of lockdown like yeah. we're talking so get, get for people who don't October. know do you want to like run through what the what the changes have been um so we've already so we've already been in six weeks of lockdown from september 13 which is next week so that's been extended for two weeks and then after that this is the uh so <laughs> so but so there was six weeks of lockdown which was through september 13 and then they've added two more weeks on until yep. the 28th. 28th, yep. But then after in those two weeks, the changes that they've made is that the, the curfew's been extended for one hour, so you can stay out until 9pm now. Ooh. Woo! Um, That's all anyone you needs. And you can go for a walk for two hours now. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I I heard an interesting thing today that um it was coming from the government that uh, apparently Wuhan was in lockdown for 2 months 
and Victoria, by the end of this, will will have been in lockdown for three and a half. Yeah, but we don't know the accuracy of the Wuhan data. In fact, there has been suggestion, quite um, uh, interesting suggestion. I, I was actually going to vaguely get into this later, but we'll do it as a wee little tangent because it's probably not substantial enough. But there was this concept that uh, KC brought up with me the other day called Benford's Law. Benford's mm-hmm. Law. Um, so this states, let's say that you you uh, go out and you measure the surface area of every lake on the planet, right? Yeah. And you look at the, the surface area and that surface area is a number, right? It's 1,000 meters squared or it's 942 meters squared, right? And you put all of those numbers into a big spreadsheet and you've got this random collection of the random data of the size of uh, lakes around the world. Thinking of the numbers that is that surface area, what do you think the likelihood is that the first digit starts with a one? So of all of the surface areas of every lake, how likely is it that... It starts with a one versus starts with a four versus starts with a six. Fuck, I, I don't even know where to start with this. If you were thinking it was a completely random set of numbers, you would be correct in guessing that there's only 10 numbers. So, so the chance of any one of those numbers being the leading number, other than zero, I guess, is around one in 10, right? Okay, 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 okay. But that is not actually true to real world. It is actually a 30% likelihood that your sample of randomly collected real-world data, the size of surface area of a lake, starts with a 1. 30% chance it starts with a 1, and it decreases in likelihood, so it's actually less likely that it starts with a 9. Because there are small lakes? No, because of some inexplicable aspect of our universe. So Benford's law basically states that it is more likely that a, um, in a selection of um, numbers like that, it'll favor starting with a one over starting with a nine. And, and one is more likely than two, and two is more likely than three, and three is more likely than four. It's a very weird right. and very hard to wrap your head around quirk. Mm. Okay, so... Yeah, I'm struggling. Yeah, it. I'll send you through an explanation of it um, because the reason I bring it up is that because uh, the underlying takeaway from it is true randomness in a set of data is actually uh, not likely to occur. You're, when you have right. a random collection of data, maybe it's the money that's been transmitted into bank accounts or that sort of things. It's actually more likely that it starts with a one than with a nine, right? right? So because true randomness is unlikely in real life, they actually use this to detect fraud. Because when when people go through and try and fake data, fake numbers, transmit money to get away from tax liabilities and that kind of stuff, they'll do it randomly. And actually it should conform with benford's law which is not random this is the plot of the accountant with matt damon so why but why what's the explanation though that's there are competing theories and all of them are too mathematically complex for me to understand (laughs) 
I can I can get my head around the well, that observation. Well, satisfying, isn't it? Well, no, but here's here's how I'm going to bring it all back around and make you satisfied. The uh, there have been researchers <laughs> which have okay, there have been researchers that have applied this to China's reporting of COVID cases and used it to oh, prove compared to every other country which has had you know fifty thousand cases or more that China's do not fit the expected numbers of cases per day and deaths per day. Oh, and suggest very strongly that it was frauded. Wow, that's cool. You tied that back in yeah. in a real a, Christopher Nolan type way. Yeah. I mean it was it was um, a long walk and we went hard into maths very early for our podcast, but my point it's almost too early. Very much too <laughs> early. But my point was no. we don't actually know that Wuhan's figures as to the severity of their case are at all accurate right well i take that point but all i see on the news is that they're throwing festivals and stuff and i'm jealous <laughs> yeah and they started it so you know yeah um that's where i'm at yeah i get um, that i don't mean to diminish your frustration at the ongoing oh lockdown. no i was just joking um yeah but it is uh i mean it's kind of the i think I think Victoria is one of the only governments that is labor run. I don't know. I just made that up kind of, but um, I, they are taking a very conservative approach and ScoMo is coming out and he's saying he's, he's openly um, taking shots at Dan Andrews saying, this is, this is kind of ridiculous. You need to, you need to do something more here. You need to do something for businesses. And look, I, I gotta be honest, like even Emma and I who are, quite you know we've been quite supportive of um the way that this has been handled in victoria um even us today we were kind of thinking i don't know is this maybe too conservative but it's so hard like it's such a hard job that that uh, these people in power have um and i sympathize with dan andrews especially right now because he cannot win yeah. he will i mean he will if this works, he won't get thanked. No. Um, and if it doesn't work, um, he'll get blamed. And even if it does work, he might still get blamed because businesses will go under. Yeah. So it's it's a thankless task and he can't win. And I feel sorry for him, but also, I mean, I also feel really sorry for all these businesses that, that are genuinely don't know if they're going to be able to survive this and what it's going to look like, what it's going to look like after... Uh, even after we get back on to what they call a COVID normal um, yeah. and the repercussions of that. Um, New, New Zealand is the gold standard for the world. Um, and I, I don't know how how it kind of translates and if it, you know, it's a population thing and, you know, maybe maybe it's more of a mindset thing. That be, uh, I know that um, ScoMo said that, we or Dan Andrews said we w- we won't be adopting the New Zealand model that that won't work for us. So was this know. recently or like yeah, three he said months that on, ago? No, he said that on Sunday. What's the New Zealand model that they were talking about? The New Zealand model was I think um I'm going to butcher this but I think it's like shutting down hard like hard hard as for in two in weeks the, and then opening back up. In the and then theory if it gets, of like next next resurgence yeah not currently it's like it's what's our what's our um game plan going to be if this happens again 
And he's I saying, I so. don't think we're going to do it New Zealand style and shut down hard again. I could be wrong, but I think that's <clears throat> I mean, what the, I the difficult thing about it all is like, I totally get it. But I can't believe that the conservative position about this would be you need to open it up again and get all your deaths back up to hundreds a day. Like, I just I find that... Like, is that seriously the the position? I find that still so laughable. Like, because the numbers have dropped down to you're at, like, 40 cases a day again, coming down from triple digits, like, mm. this methodology, as shitty as it had been, has actually worked to clamp down on this. And I just find it so infuriating that they think you've just got to open up when it would just immediately negate all of the gains and all of the hard work that you've put in to get there. Yeah, uh, and I, I agree, Um Mostly with that, and I, I guess the the argument that people make is that the ramifications of lockdown uh, are potentially worse than the actual suffering of COVID, which is kind of kind of a nonsensical argument. Considering, like, if you, I mean, they'll quote the stats of of how many people die, but that's with the lockdown. Like, yeah, they'll say. Look, the only um, 675 people have died in Victoria. How many people are suffering from mental illness, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, if we didn't have the lockdown, it could be the deaths would be in the thousands, yeah. And the other, the other hard thing to accept, and I'm saying this because I, I struggled with this as well, um, is that the what you hear on the news, okay, 12 people died overnight, 20 people died when they read out the ages of these people, they're like 80 plus. And it's just like, well, I know, it, it, I know that's probably lazy thinking, but that's the impulse is to be like, well, what are we doing? I mean, all these people are, they're uh, at the end of their life. Like they've got weaker immune systems, whatever. Yeah. But picture um, yourself being 80 and being ridden off that way. Right. You still, yeah, but you, if you believe this is the only life, right. You want to get as much out of it as you can and being, Thrust in totally. front as like car- cannon fodder is um, <laughs> probably not okay. Everyone, mark mark your times. Michael has touched the microphone stand, uh, so <laughs> that was probably in the range of about fifteen minutes. That's not bad. That's not bad, Mike. I just realised my headphone cord is caught between the USB and the stand. So. Yeah. Um, no, I get that as well, but also. And I'm not saying this because I'm not saying that I believe what I'm about to say. I'm just saying these these are the thoughts that run through my my head sometimes, um, and others, of course. That isn't there if if it's just if it's killing mostly the elderly, then can't we can't they just be locked down? But that's not how it works, right? That's not how it spreads Why? because it spreads to the people that are out and about in public, right? Like, so if you lock down all the elderly, sure, but then it'll spread between all the young people and then all the young people will be the ones dying. Like, and but even... if we maintain social distancing and wear masks and yeah, all that... But, like... but kids think they're invincible anyway. They're not going to do that. And the other thing as well mm. is that the we know that COVID syndrome is not just a life or death thing. There are people who have a life of, you know, heart disease after surviving COVID, right? Like people, 30-year-olds are having heart attacks from this thing. And even if they survive them, it is still going to cause permanent damage to them. And yeah. 
so in a way there's a fuzzy number there as well where it's like yes okay maybe the deaths of the elderly but and yes that's because they're probably already weak that doesn't mean that covid just blows through people without any harm it's like there are people who've developed like um brain disorders and like having trouble thinking and forming sentences people with like long permanent heart injuries and sure they're not dead but that doesn't mean you want to get this thing either yeah you're right yeah i don't know it's just uh when you when you've got all this time to think yeah about um about what what could what could we do doing better to get out of this i mean it's it's a it's a double-edged. It's not. Even, it's not a double-edged. So it's. I don't know. I can't think of the metaphor, but it's. It's funny that we've got all this time to think about this stuff. Um, whereas if we've been working and doing stuff, we'd we might not give it as much thought. Yeah, but you, you I don't think have sitting at outlets. home. And, yeah. Um, and this is kind of. I mean, if we're going into Q and on today, it's kind of like going into that. Like people have more time to get into um, kind of conspiracy theories and stuff. Yeah. Well, the other thing Um, as well that I um, thought is interesting that's been going around um, on the COVID note is uh, the imbalance of the responsibility. Um, So I just read this this thing that was going around. This was um, a post about the feeling of like seeing other people going around, eating in restaurants, doing whatever they want, like in places where they should be in lockdown or should be more responsible. Um, and so the, the post says, oh, aspects of our COVID exhaustion are due to the reality that many of us are carrying the weight of others' irresponsibility. Many go about their lives unencumbered with any feeling of social responsibility and feel justified in their carelessness, at least partially protected mm. by the Herculean efforts of others. So not right. only are people carefully navigating a context that's like brand new to us, sacrificially bearing a collective burden but you then have to watch those efforts devalued by the people who then pretend, pretend that their carelessness is justified. So totally. They say, like, we're holding a societal umbrella in a downpour and they're laughing and pretending it's not raining because they're not wet, which is exhausting. Sure. And, and I thought that uh, was very insightful. We, yeah, that is very insightful. And we, we all, I'm sure anyone listening in Victoria knows, you know, at least another person that's that is doing that and flouting it yeah um and it is kind of uh, it's tempting because because it feels like it's so insignificant but we all have to act like ants like it only works if we all do it yeah uh and it's kind of like um what else is it like i don't know global warming or something yeah like we all have to do it if we don't all do it it's moot and it's like a little bit tragedy of the commons as well, right? Like if everyone thinks they can just go about their business and do their own shit, then everything falls over, right? You have to have the community perspective in order to successfully defeat this thing. And so, and that just doesn't come naturally to some people, right? Right. And and this has given rise a, a lot in Victoria, at least, to people who um, are conspiracy theorists and, and and almost first of all they believe that it's a complete power grab by the government yeah um and then on the more extreme side of things people who believe that it straight up just doesn't exist and that this is part of some elaborate uh new world order (laughs) and that's and you know we're going to get into this but 
it's it's getting into the mainstream and it's becoming a real it's infecting you know ordinary minds yeah i mean that's a great tee up um for what we're going to talk about but unfortunately we have to sort of get through the the titles and everything the intro and the theme song um and that oh, kind can of can i just before you do that yeah i was just, just going to say you do, do you have something that can get us there a little bit you know with a bit more of oh, a laugh or like something i've got i've got the perfect thing okay. um i've got this is a bit of a foreshadowing here but you're going to want to stay tuned because i've got some explosive explosive allegations Wow. Related to the pod, an explosive mailbag that you are not going to believe. This is going to be my first mailbag, but I tell you what, you are, I'm talking to you, sitting on the couch, you're fat, whatever. Stick around to the end because this is going to be huge. And Nick, this is going to drop a real pizza pie on your life. Okay. So, yeah. wow. So I might have hyped that up a little bit too much, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I hate getting a pizza pie on my life. <laughs> no. I blacked out. I don't know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Deep Foot, everybody. Oh, gosh, what an exciting intro. I mean, boy, if you don't stick around through this, you'd be a real fool. Um, this is a podcast. We just talk about the world. We talk about politics. We talk about science. We talk about love. Sitting through the internet with me, my friend Michael. Here's your space to have a few words. What's up? What's up? Can't hear, just slap thing. can't hear anything. Can't hear anything. Can't hear anything. Can't hear anything. Okay, not very cool. And my name's Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi. Oh, hi, Nick. Hi. How come you get a catchphrase and I don't have a catchphrase yet? It's it's only a catchphrase because it's literally filling in the thing that you don't say. You never say hi to me. So I have to say hi to myself and then greet myself back. I want a catchphrase. But you can't force a catchphrase, can you? That's part of the thing. It has to happen organically. Yeah. I mean, now you've got a little yeah. space. And instead of forming, you know, a sentence that might be catchphrasable, instead you didn't finger click, which is, you know, <laughs> arguably could be not catchphrasable. Could be. <laughs> let's just keep rolling. Yeah, let's just let's gonna... jump right into it, eh? We were, we were there. Let's do uh, it. Let's do it. Well, uh, QAnon, conspiracy theories, people believing the weirdest shit. Uh, this, as you say, has been sort of an increasing presence in the news and political scene. Uh, the unlikely, impossible, irrational beliefs like Pizzagate. Oh, there's a child pedophilia basement underneath the pizza place where Hillary Clinton goes to have a pedophilic tendencies all, all this kind of nonsense has become very much more mainstream QAnon oh there's this secret cabal and Donald Trump is willingly working everything he does is to stop a uh, bring down it's always pedophiles I don't know why but bringing down pedophiles <laughs> and yeah you know. it's not just that it's it's eating the flesh of babies and drinking their blood yeah like <laughs> which it's very uh very odd time so um what what do you want your angle to be in here do you want to talk a bit more about the covid conspiracy since we were there do you want to go QAnon? i also have a little bit of data and stuff to talk about identifying um well let's start at loosey-goosey and um and then uh, it'll it'll sort itself out yeah um 
So, do we need to talk about what QAnon is? Um. Well, you just kind of did it, I guess. It's a conspiracy theorist. It's basically a cult that um, started in, I think, 2017, just after your boy Trump got elected. Um, and I think they basically... Uh, it's it's I think it started on 4chan and it's it's written I think by this guy who calls himself Q and he writes cryptic posts um he supposedly claims to be like a military informant or whatever um and he writes cryptic posts and it's kind of wrapped in with um I mean I think they were directly involved with Pizzagate but they think that that there's this uh there's this new world kind of deep state thing that's happening which funnily enough involves celebrities and Hillary Clinton and Demo- mostly democratic politicians right it's yeah mostly democratic it seems politicians. to be a conservative based sort of yeah movement but they do see i think like it's an international cabal right of like rich billionaires is the sort of like getting away with everything right mm. um yeah and and i mean i guess the thing is that now now the real thing is well the real fear or peril is it is peril of it is that some senators running for election this year in america are Q, like, conspiracy believers, right? Like, there are people actively dropping these kind of buzzwords and dog whistles in their campaigns mm. to try and bolster support, right? And, and and even if it's just... It may even not be that cynical where it's like, I'll do this to get support. It might be they just sincerely believe this shit and they're going to get in, which is just, yeah, uh, crazy. Yeah, and uh, it's not a small number either. I think it's something like um, sixteen out of the fifty-two states. There's you know someone running, and they they are gaining traction. And they uh, they basically QAnon believers think that Trump is like the savior. He's like Jesus, yeah. And Q is like maybe God or something. And um, it's not helped at all by the fact that Trump. Um, as if we needed any more proof that his ego was completely driving him, is kind of validating these group of people by um, when he's asked at press conferences saying, um, do you denounce Q supporters? He's uh, he's saying, well, I heard they're good people. They like me, so I like them. Yeah. But it, it, like, it's it's also not like abstract as in online only like it's got real world consequences they like the embrace of the pizzagate stuff like a guy rocked up at that pizza place with an ar-47 or whatever and fired into the thing right there was like a a q believer who was in like an armed standoff at the hoover dam and they like hijacked attempts to legit like legitimate attempts to fight child sex trafficking um like it is. They thought there was a pizza. They thought there was a a uh, out of a pizza shop in Washington. They thought they were running a political sex trafficking ring, and this guy went in there armed, and while there were people dining, by the way, went in there, went to the back, went to this closet, tried to scope it out, was looking for evidence of um, 
of um, <laughs> this child sex trafficking ring, found nothing, didn't shoot anyone, but went out the front and was uh, was greeted by a whole bunch of uh, cops. <laughs> There's a great documentary, by the way, that's just come out called After Truth. Um, I think it's an HBO doc, um, and it kind of details all this stuff, and it's all Pizzagate. It's super interesting. Steve Bannon's in there a bunch of times. It's uh, yeah, it's real kooky stuff. Well, the um, the other bit of news that came up this week actually was that um, BuzzFeed News, which is quite a reputable um, news source these days, um, they've <laughs> uh, decided to refer to the whole Q thing as a collective delusion, not a conspiracy right. theory. Um, and I think the reasoning for that was that it's like. Literally, a whole alternate world of beliefs and signals and language. Um, it is not so much like a a clear A did B for C. It is like a it is a religious, as you say, kind of world of terminology and completely devoid from reality. So they've they've mm. decided to adjust their language for it and, and reflect that in calling it a mass or collective delusion. Um, yeah, what strikes me in, in, in reading about this, whenever I, whenever I see a video or read about, about QAnon, is that they act exactly like a cult. It's like yeah. Scientology, and it, it baffles me how this shit just plays out again and again and again. Like, it's a, it's a true phenomena. Mm. And it hasn't just been... It's not a new phenomena. It's been happening for, you know, thousands of years. And this is just another version of that. And what's interesting is that they... Like every cult, it's like one person at the top and they've got a savior and they've got a set of cryptic things that you have to... And the crypticness is the... um the kind of the driving force of things. Well, at least it gives it energy because when it's cryptic, it's open to interpretation. Yeah, yeah. And, and that allows people to first, if something gets too far fetched or too kooky, they're like, well, uh, you know, I'm on the fence. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you see a lot of these QAnon supporters or at least sympathizers when they're asked about it, they'll, they won't flatly say that they support it. They say, Look, we're just I asking just, the question. I, you know, I'm just asking just the question. Yeah, and that's what fucking Trump does, man. That's yeah. what, uh, and they kind of. It's such a weak way to go. They'll be like, I'll just. Some of them will just be like, I'll. I follow the evidence, and they'll be like, <laughs> what evidence? Or what? One question I find funny to uh, when um when I've seen like documentaries <laughs> interviewing QAnon supporters is who is they when they talk about. You know they they are uh, they've created this sex trafficking ring and they are, are drinking the blood of young children. Who is they? Well, I don't want to get into that. I don't know who they is. Yeah, but it's like they have no idea. But at the same, same so time, it is so like often anti-Semitic as well. Like a clear like the whole George Soros thing, right? Like there is a, a definite like anti-Semitism bent to a lot of their conspiracies as well, right? So some of that reticence to, like, name names is probably because they know what they're not allowed to say, well, it's the Jews, isn't it? Like, (laughs) they're they're self-aware enough to know a little bit about what that would sound like. Um, If I can just read the end part of this article from the Bugfeed News thing about why they um, have changed their description of it. 
Delusion does illustrate the reality better than conspiracy theory does. We're discussing a mass of people who subscribe to a shared set of values and debunked ideas which inform their beliefs and actions. The impact of QAnon is an example of the real-world consequences of our broken information ecosystem, the New York Times recently wrote. The proliferation of this delusion is in part a media literacy problem which has become a reality problem. So it's it's in terms of media literacy, I think what they're getting at there is that our world on the internet now, you know, the, the validity of things, the understanding of what should be believed or disbelieved, the that that is not readily taught, right? It's not it's not a skill set that people naturally have, and so they find themselves, you know, sharing around this shit which doesn't actually hold up to scrutiny when given a proper examination. Yeah, and and just leaping off that point is um, Facebook and I think YouTube have gotten into some hot water about this as well because there's this thing called rabbit holing and um, people are saying that Facebook and YouTube uh, and maybe maybe not TikTok or whatever have actually kind of been um, accidentally fueling this by... V- by way of their algorithms. So their mm. al- algorithms, people who go seek out these videos, their algorithms will actually send these people into a rabbit hole. Once you watch one video, you watch another video, watch another video, you end up going really deep. Yeah. And when when you're sitting there watching, you know, hours and hours of this kind of bullshit, um, that's my notes. That's not, yeah, yeah. That's not bullshit. That's real. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you can, you can, you can see how it'll send people loopy. It's like being lectured to. It's like being. It's like entering into a voluntary brainwash of yourself. It's not. Maybe it's not even voluntary. You just. It's just we're creatures of, of impulse, uh, yeah. and people. People can get carried away with this shit. Where people's minds are, uh, fragile and and uh, easily influenced. Well, the That's other crazy thing about the algorithms as well is that. Like there's been a lot of eyes on Facebook recently because they continue to do bad and dumb things. Um, and one of them is like if you search for Holocaust on the um, Facebook search bar, you will get surfaced Holocaust denial videos. Right. Like, And isn't that just crazy, right? When you think about that kind of sensitive search term, that that why on earth, if you're searching for the Holocaust, would you get things which are anti-holocaust in its in its effect right when you're disproving that stuff and and that's the kind of thing where like those platforms have a duty to be much more careful in the way that they design their algorithms and the way that they uh surface content to people but they're just abdicating that responsibility because no one can hold them accountable for it but what's what's going on there then is is it just they're getting the algorithm is just highlighting keywords and then they're seeing holocaust and then holocaust denial videos have x amount of views so that will lead into the other probably no one really knows how the algorithms work for these things because it's a sort of state secret right that's your secret Mm. juice which is part of your value Um, but yeah it is likely that I mean, the question is why are those videos permissible on Facebook in the first place, right? If you've got a Holocaust denial video, it should be banned. But it, in effect, I think it's probably being shared around and thus popular and thus surfaced. But I don't really know the, the reasoning behind it. Mm. Um, there was an interesting uh, 
thread from a guy called John Cook, who is a uh, author and scientist. Uh, he's a research assistant professor at the Center for Climate Change Communication. Uh, and basically, one of his areas of studies has been conspiracy theories because understanding conspiracy theories affects the way that you communicate things like uh, climate change, right? If you're battling against people who think that this is all some grand attempt to strip away your rights or whatever, then you need to know how to counter that. Um, And so I'll just rattle through these quickly. These are the uh, traits of conspiratorial thinking. It's kind of like a checklist Mm -hmm. to tell whether or not what you're looking at is a conspiracy theory. Um, The... Seven telltale traits of conspiratorial theory, uh, conspiratorial thinking, are summarized and more easily remembered with the acronym CONSPIR, C O N S P I R. Um, and there's a handbook which I'll uh, like a PDF, which is actually quite an easy read, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, but it's quite interesting. Uh, but I'll, I'll run through these letters now. Okay. Um, C contradictory. Conspiracy theorists can simultaneously believe in ideas that are mutually contradictory. This is because their commitment to disbelieving the official account is so absolute, it doesn't matter if it's incoherent. Contradictory. Mm -hmm. O is overriding suspicion. So conspiratorial thinking involves nihilistic degrees of skepticism towards the official account. This extreme degree of suspicion prevents belief in anything that doesn't fit into a conspiracy theory. N is nefarious intent. This is the motivation behind any presumed conspiracy is invariably assumed to be nefarious. Conspiracy thinkers, uh, conspiracy theories never propose that the presumed conspirators have benign motivations. It's always bad, right? Right. S, something must be wrong. Although conspiracy theorists occasionally abandon specific ideas when they become untenable, those revisions don't change the overall conclusion that something must be wrong. So even when presented with facts which contradict it, they're able to discount that uh, that one aspect but still hold on to the overall theory because the official account is based on deception, right? P, persecuted victim. Conspiracy theorists present themselves as victims of organized persecution and at the same time they see themselves as brave antagonists in taking on conspirators. So conspiratorial thinking involves a self-perception of being simultaneously a victim and a hero. I is immune to evidence. They're self-sealing. The evidence countering a theory is reinterpreted as originating from the conspiracy. So the stronger the evidence against it, like the FBI exonerated politician for something or whatever, is actually just reinterpreted as being, oh, well, the FBI are in on it as well. Right. Um, And finally, R, the uh, reinterpreting of randomness. Uh, The overriding suspicion found in conspiratorial thinking results in the belief that nothing occurs by accident. Small random events are reinterpreted as being caused by the conspiracy. So I thought that was a really interesting perspective into sort of the defining aspects of uh, how these things uh, gain traction and how almost like in a religious sense, as you say, they become self-sealing, they become reaffirming. Mm. You know, any test is not a proof of the lack of God. It is evidence that God is there, but challenging you and your, it's a test of your faith, right? Like all that kind of uh, yeah. uh, comparison is, is completely valid. Yeah. And there's, there's kind of, it's kind of adorable in a way. 
Yeah, through one lens, it's adorable. They, it's conspiracy theorists are just trying to make sense of the world. Yeah, they're making trying to make sense of randomness or weird events. And if you look, if you look at it with a really sympathetic uh, lens, through a really sympathetic lens, they're just people that want to that that are confused by the world and and want to make sense of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it Which is kind of how it ties back into religion, by the way. It's because I mean there's there's a parallel there. I'm not yeah. I'm not saying I mean it uh, necessarily that Christianity is the same as QAnon. No. But there are parallels. Well it it's closer in the sense that cults are religion, right? Like sure. it's in that sort of it's along that spectrum of, you know, uh belief. And again, it's not it's not fair to all organized religion, but the um the, the traits, the psychological traits that it's feeding are probably similar in some ways. Definitely. Um, one of the other things, sorry, no, just no. quickly, I just, um, one thing I had written down here was that they, uh, QAnon believers often refer to um, supporting the mo- the movement, if you can call it that, as red pilling. So yeah. they've taken this thing from the matrix and saying that in the in the matrix when um neo takes the red pill he finally uncovers the truth and the reality about uh about the world so in their head they believe that this is the reality of the situation and everyone else is living in ignorance yeah the uh irony there a little bit is that the matrix is basically a uh, transgender narrative, right? Like, it was <laughs> well, that came out recently, didn't it? Well, I mean, it was kind of already there, but you know, now now both the creators, Lana and Lily, have, have transitioned. They, um, I suppose, are being more outward in in their explanation. But the whole thing about the pills, the red pill and the blue pill, I believe there are literally those are the colors of certain um, like uh, drugs that are administered to people undergoing transitioning um therapies so that's interesting because in in my school in in my very religious school it was actually taught as a uh interpretation of the holy trinity (laughs) yeah i mean it's definitely influenced by um by a whole bunch of religious imagery as well but i i think there's a very clear trans reading of that film if you go back and think about it to you know a guy who's doesn't fit in living in this like fake mm. world not connected to his true self and then he takes this pill and transitions he gets literally reborn in like a like a amniotic fluid sack mm. and then emerges into the real world and discovers his true self and powers and becomes someone special with a new name and like yeah. it doesn't take much to really see the well um, i mean there. look i mean i i I think the Wachowskis did say that, but you're kind of doing there what conspiracy theorists do. You're starting with the conclusion. You can feel in anything. I mean, that's what that may be the beauty of a good movie. But if you start with the conclusion, you can be like, "Oh, it's actually a trans movie." Then you can start finding elements of trans, or if you want to start with a religion. Yeah, can, but interpreting like, oh. art and, and semiotics is not conspiracy theories. That's that's just reading of <laughs> of fiction, right? And interpretation. That's that doesn't have real world consequences in the sure. world in the way that like interpreting reality through a un- unfactual 
lens does. Yeah. Um, no, and as you say, yeah, as you say, the Wachowskis also talk about this openly now. Um, By the way, what are the odds of two trans in? Well, uh, uh, I don't I mean, know. I'd like to see the actual probably higher stats. Probably higher if one if one sister, <laughs> then maybe the other would as well. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I mean, they're 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 if you're fascinating. Biologically pair. coming from the same parents, right? Yeah, it's um, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Did you ever watch Sense Don't I don't think I've ever even heard that word. That was the Wachowskis Netflix series. I I sort of had it on my list forever, but no, I haven't. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it. Um, I'm looking forward to this fourth Matrix though. Me too. Although, you know what? Who did I? Who did I? I heard an actor kind of shout on this script. They said they weren't coming back. Oh uh, no! So no no no! That was um, that was Lawrence Fishburne. He's not coming. He's not. He wasn't asked to be back. I don't think he shouted on the script or whatever. It wasn't like a oh I'm not doing that. It was a they didn't write me into this one. But I think oh this... no 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 I'm thinking about something different. I oh. read something recently where another actor uh, said that they saw the script and they were like no thank you. Huh? Yeah I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Uh, the other sort of angle on this, which I think is probably worth circling back around to, is the vaccines of it all, like the anti-vax thing, because. This is the fight that we're ultimately all going to come up against in the next year, year and a half, right? As we try and overcome COVID, we're now going to have a real manifest battle against the anti-vaxxers in order to get the world Mm. back to normal. Um, And, you know, it's sort of been a fringe issue, but now it's going to be a real every person issue because you need a a certain minimum in order to get that herd immunity and kill a virus. But, and uh, in a certain sense, this is the most rational, the irrational anti-vaxxers have ever been because any vaccine will be at such an accelerated timeline that the questions or suspicions about safety and testing and everything are in some respect, very valid. So sure. how do we as a nation, or well, as a world really, mm. get to a point where there is trust in the vaccine, which will be necessary for us to fucking get on with our lives, right? Yeah, man. Like, yeah. Well, have you heard about when they're where where they're on track for a vaccine? Are they talking early twenty twenty one? I don't know that any of the legitimate places are giving legitimate timelines. There is a coronavirus vaccine tracker. Um, as per usual, all of these articles that I source, um, I've put them in the chapter titles of your podcast player. So if you listening right now think, oh, I want to see the coronavirus vaccine tracker, open up your podcast player, click on the title of this chapter. It'll link you to this article in the New York Times. Same thing for the um, conspiracy theory one and, and, and all that kind of thing. So... Um, like there are definitely multiple vaccines in testing, right? But I don't know that any of them have very clear time frames on it. I mean, the weird thing about it is it's all nation to nation. So, mm. you know, Russia has approved some of them in, in limited testing already because they're just like, Russia, you know, f- fucking do it. They don't care about human rights or safety or whatever. They'll just try it. Well, didn't Putin give it to his daughter? Is that true? Yeah, he gave it to his daughter. I didn't hear that. 
Yeah, that was a big thing. So there's a um, China's approved a, a vaccine for limited use. Use Russia's Gamaleya moves into phase three testing two weeks after it was received. Uh, after early approval was received, Kazakhstan has good. one entering phase one. So there are a few, <laughs> a few um, underway. Apparently, so this is the New York Times tracker. There are 24 vaccines testing safety and dosage. There are 14 in phase two, which are expanded safety trials. There are nine in phase three. That's large scale efficacy tests. There's a limited phase, three vaccines approved for early or limited use, and none actually approved vaccines approved for full use. None have made it to that final tick, right? Um, Wow. So, Nick, let me ask you this. Would you, if, do you have enough trust in your government to, if they brought out a, if they said, okay, we've, we've bought this vaccine in February 2021, uh, it's going to be free to all New Zealand residents. Are you, are you going to take it? Well, I think the question is, requires more nuance to get an answer. Like, it really depends on, okay, who developed this vaccine? How much was it tested? Um, conceptually, the moment that there is a safe COVID vaccine, of course I'm going to take it, right? Like, I'm, I'm on board not, with this. So are you worried about long-term effects? Because that, isn't, that, isn't that everyone's concern, that, that it's not going to be able to be tested enough to see the long-term effects that's it yeah but also we don't know the recurrence of it right so some some vaccines don't last forever like you need to get a um a um tetanus shot every time you tread on a rusty bit of metal right because it's not likely that that resilience is there from your last time and and same with you know certain diseases through childhood. You need to get four or five, well, maybe three or four different vaccinations over the course of time to build up that thing. So right. one of the questions here is, okay, so maybe it stops it for a little bit, but does it stop it indefinitely? Or you know, not not. So the question is not merely a is this safe for me to take? Is it going to cause my body instant allergic or adverse reactions? But What's the what's the efficacy of it? Is it something that we're going to have to take every six months for the rest of our lives? Is it you know? That, that's one of the other questions, anyway. So the my interest in taking it is is you know definitely high because I think the moment that you can say I've taken the vaccine, you're going to be granted a lot more um, flexibility when you're traveling around the world, and, and that's very appealing to me. But I would need to know, is this the Russian vaccine? Because I don't want the New Zealand government to be like mass producing or licensing the Russian vaccine if I don't trust that it was like legitimately tested. Whereas if it was the UK's vaccine or American vaccine, you know, I feel a little bit safer that the, you know, health protocols followed were (laughs) slightly more rigorous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to choose the, I'm going to choose my vaccine based on the name alone. Hmm. Uh, the one with the best ring to it is going to really get me. Yeah. So, okay. So do you trust, I think New Zealand's going to be, you're in a great spot because New Zealand, you're going to, you're going to, Jacinda's not going to do anything, you know, rash or, or, or hasty or anything. So you're in a good spot, but I feel like in Australia, it's a little bit different. Australia's bought 
156 doses, apparently, of this German-made uh, vaccine, should it come uh, true or not, or should it come, should it be made? Um, viable. Know, what, what am I looking <laughs> Thank you. For should, it, should it be a viable know. vaccine? They bought, what, 156? They bought double the amount of the population. 56 million. Oh, million. Yeah, that helps. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They've bought Did 56 million. Yeah. But I, wasn't there something that came out this in, in the aftermath of that in which the um, Germans were like, uh, no, we've been in preliminary talks, but that's not, <laughs> that's not actually yes. available. No, yeah, I did see that. They were like, though they were saying, uh, ScoMo came out and was like, oh, we made this deal with the Germans. And the Germans were like, what um, deal? What? I mean, yeah. we ta- we've talked about it. Sure, we didn't make any deal. Yeah. Pretty funny. The um, the thing with New Zealand, weirdly, is that I think because we're in such a good place already, uh, there'll be less of an incentive, perhaps, to rush into the first vaccine that comes under the market, right? Because in terms of community transmissions here... It's fairly under control, so there might be a little bit of a um, a safety net here with our circumstances, where they can go. You know, let's wait and see which other ones, you know, come to market, or let's give it a month and see if there are any, you know, things that are learnt from the large scale rollout in a different country. And that's a good point. You can afford to hang back. A we little. can hang back a little bit. Yeah, yeah um, no, that's a good point. The the most frustrating thing from a New Zealand perspective at the moment is the uh, just like the bullshit. So we're entering we're less than a month from the election, or in fact, we're exactly yeah. a month from an election. Um, and same the, as the US, same time. No, uh, it's October seventh, I think, is when it is. Uh, so a month. Um, so the just like the the ridiculously partisan bad faith arguments from the opposition party against the handling of lockdown like we're going to rejuvenate businesses and you didn't need to suffer this much and uh, new zealand has fucked up the the covid situation entirely and it's going to be an economic burden which is going to be a like death nail on this thing and like the reality is that all of the economic muddling has shown that new zealand's back bounced back faster in terms of approaching its normal productivity than previously and historically speaking pandemics don't actually hurt the economy that much uh, when you look back at things like the 1915 uh, plague 1917 plague i forget. i mean is that relevant though like well i, I think the point being that, that if, if you get through a pandemic the economy recovers sort of anyway because people go back to their normal lives so the the concerns about uh the impact of this kind of stuff is just such bad faith argument and i i find it so hacky so partisan so like i mean that's exactly the what's happening here yeah well. i know yeah. I, I find it so unpalatable an argument to think that like we as you say are the envy of the world and jacinda mm. took a hard line early and spared so much pain grief death and is being beaten for that like uh, yeah. not, not, not i don't, i think she's still favored to win but just like the idea that that could be used against her it's that same thing of like you did a good job and now as a result (laughs) the severity has been so minimized that people think it was overreaction yeah and that's it's 
the problem with is with the two party system. Do you have a two party system over there? Yeah, there's two major parties. Yeah, it's like in high school debating when you are forced. You're like, okay, you guys are pro and you guys are um, anti. I mean, you, at that point, they because because they're they're a party against the party in power. They have to take a side. So they're like, oh, I don't know. Like they have to have a point of view. Yeah, they have to be like against uh, Jacinda, and so they're like, oh, "This will work," and so they just do that. But you can never just be like, "Yeah, you did a great job," um, and we would have done it the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're totally like that. It's not a successful argument. Vote for us. We would have done exactly what they did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird one. Um, so, in terms of the vaccine, when it comes up mm. in Australia, you think you'd you'd be, you know, queuing up, Bring get it, it in me. Bring, oh man, stick it right up my mouth. <laughs> Did a little detail there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll 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 take anything, even if it's I'll take rushes. To be honest, you take um, the Russian vaccine. I take I take the Russia if if. If Vladimir himself came up to me and said, mm, Zabriki, would you like to try vaccine? We have 33% chance of uh, making successful uh, immunization to the coronavirus. I'd be like, give it to me, Vladdy. I mean, historic... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what a terrible... What a terrible reference. I think my wine just started kicking <laughs> into Historically speaking... Uh, Vlad would normally be taking from you Ukrainians, but r- regardless, rather than giving it to you. Um, yeah, he, sometimes he likes to give back. Have you ever done medical trials? <laughs> I have, actually. I feel like that's something yeah. you would have done to get a little bit of cashola. I hate that you think that, but I understand why you do think that. And you're right, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, the reason that I thought that is because it was correct. I'm a piece of shit. No, yeah. that's not what I said at all. I said that you would the reason that anyone does a medical trial is to get money, right? That's not that's Look, not a If you judgment. were writing if you were writing me as a character, I it would be perfectly within the character to go get medical trials. <laughs> yeah. Uh for money. Uh no, I have done that. I got uh what did I get? I got a couple of maybe I got a grant for some smoking trial um back when I was at uni. You um, had to smoke, or it, it was a test of smokers. No, it was. Um, it was. They were trialing a a drug, so you had to be a smoker. Uh-huh. So I was like jackpot, and um, and I had to do like three visits. I didn't have to stay overnight, although I would have. <laughs> um, and yeah, they then they give you a big. But was lump it of was cash. it like a, a preventative? Like it was trying to quell the cravings, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, I I think it was something to do with the lungs. I can't really remember. I don't really care. I, I'm, I'm one of these people that will, I'll I'll put whatever. This is I'm gonna regret saying this. There was a point in my life. Let me say this. There was a point in my life. I remember distinctly thinking, if someone comes up to me and offers me whatever drug, I'll take it. Like on a, on a night out or whatever. Like I, th- there was. I don't feel that way now, but there was definitely a a reckless. It's not only reckless, reckless, but it was like a thrill seeker thing part of my brain, or a I just wanted something 
different than the normal. Yeah. I would have, I would have, if someone came up to me on a 12 p.m. on the street with an ecstasy pill on a Monday, I would have taken it. Like, I genuinely think I would have done that yeah. in my early 20s. Yeah. But, uh, but that's also at a time when you feel like you're invincible, right? Like, your early 20s, that's when you're like, I f- I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm out in the world. I can do anything I want. My body is like, uh, uh, Im- Im- I don't know, immortal. <laughs> I don't know what word yeah. I was looking for there. There's but definitely like- a part of that. But there's also, I think, part of it. You have to be... I was also always seeking a thrill, uh, and I was all, always th- seeking something reckless. I'm, I'm amazed that I didn't get into more trouble than I did in my 20s. Yeah, I'm amazed really. too. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying is, first vaccine, you'll be like, yeah. day one, <laughs> get it in me. Yeah, uh, if, if, it, if it means, if it comes with liberties, I will, uh, I will definitely do it. I'm uh, curious as to what the, um, where the first like mainstream success vaccine comes from, like country wise, and and also what the, um, what the asterisks are in the sense of yes, this will minimize it, but it'll only work for six months, so you'll have to get it repeatedly. Or yes, it might stop the severity of it, but it's not going to stop it completely. So you're not like. Mm. It won't prevent you from carrying it to other people. Like I, I, sure. there are whole lots of you know potential complications that that will still need to be um, tested and and evaluated before it gets released into the world. And I'm not expecting it's going to be the silver bullet one where it's just like, okay, we yeah. cracked it. Put this in your arm, and you can never get COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I haven't been to the doctor in ten years. Like I don't I don't remember no, getting any of these shots. Uh, um, actually, that's true. I went when when I went to like Mongolia and shit. I got shots, but yeah, yeah. I don't remember getting any of these tetanus shots or whatever you're talking about. Yeah, well, because you don't stand on very many rusty metal bars. Emotionally, I do, <laughs> but I can't get tested for that. Well, um, I don't know if we really solved the problem of conspiracies, but it was interesting talking about it. That's what we just talk about it. Like we don't. Who, who's coming to this podcast for information? We just have a chat about it. Yeah, I think that's okay. I was trying to. I was. I was working out whether we'd undercooked it, but I think you're right. I think we just talked about the the interesting thing about it. Well, that's okay. What we do. There's actually one other thing. Did you watch the um the John Oliver? You watched uh, last week tonight pretty regularly. Yeah. Did you see the one on conspiracy theories a couple of weeks back? which had one very interesting point, which I thought was quite revealing too, which is that it is, uh, conspiracy theories come about as a way of um, trying to answer the unanswerable, trying to add meaning to chaos, right? Um, sure. But it doesn't happen for things which have small effects, so the, the the conspiracy comes about when they're trying to find big answers for big impact things. Sure. So like the assassination yeah. of Kennedy or the Twin 9/11. Towers. Yeah, that was a huge ripple effect on society. And so the the psychological expectation is that the cause of that was similarly big, right? Um, mm. When the reality is just that it was 
a couple of people or just that it was a bit random or that sort of thing. And the answer they, uh, the example that uh, John Oliver gave on that show was the Kennedy assassination being the subject of, you know, endless conspiracy theories. It was the second person and, you know, it was, how could he have shot from, you know, all the way on the grassy you know, like all that kind of stuff versus uh, uh, Ronald Reagan being shot but surviving. And because Ronald Reagan survived right. the presidential assassin uh, attempt, there are no conspiracy theories about it because it was right. a fairly yeah. minor thing. So I think the other sort of context through which to view the uh, increasing prevalence of these kind of crazy, um, you know, QAnon, anti-vax, Pizzagate kind of level of um, conspiracies is through the lens of the world is so fucking crazy right now and the effects of everything that's going on, pandemic, you know, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, the presidential instability of America, society is in such a crazy place that the answer also needs to be crazy. And I found that quite insightful. Yeah. uh, I mean, this year especially is like a... uh, It's like a um, test tube for conspiracy theories. And it makes... It makes sense yeah. that this year would lead to a rise in conspiracy theories, in QAnon, in Trump, Black Lives Matter, pandemic. It's like this perfect storm. It's a breeding for, ground. For yeah. these type of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it makes sense. And, and it's, like I said before, and like John Oliver said on, on the program, it's people trying to make sense of... Uh, people trying to find patterns um, in chaos because... Because sometimes reality is kind of difficult to process. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Well said, Michael. Thank you. Oh, okay. You said well said when I said well said. <laughs> and again, God undermined just, the genuine sentiment. Drop uh, out my audio just before I said that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, drop, I'll drop it out so that you don't sound like a tosser. Uh, if you uh, want a little bit more of uh, our chit-chats, well, there's plenty more hours they're sitting out there on the internet. You can scroll down your podcast player. There's dozens of other episodes there, and some of them are good. You can head on to deepforward.podbean.com and find uh, a whole selection of them. Our Facebook page has interesting articles, has very like funny witticisms. There's a whole lot of parsnip chat there, if you'd like, that sort of thing. Um, if you head on to our Instagram, you can see uh, some notifications when our episodes go live. You can see some uh, workout videos from Mike. Wait. Oh, no, sorry. You can't see work. Uh, I don't okay. know why I thought that. Can't see workout videos from Michael there. Uh, Twitter.com slash deep forward if you want to give us a follow. And send in your questions and thoughts and requests to deepfort at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be sure to answer them with a degree of alacrity you will not believe. Uh, how was your painting? I know you sort of talked about it a little bit, but... Um, well, the the painting, dude, was a absolute hit and uh and not not just with me with with emma and with a whole bunch of our friends like it's so weird how that kind of came back in um that you initially got me this thing and i i put it on the deep thought thing and it's kind of making fun of the fact that initially i was like oh 
It's like kind of yeah, like when giving I, someone a, when a I fish. Got you like a, now a I have to look up for a fish. painting and like it's a paint and drink night. And I was like, I even when I gave it to you, I couched it like, this is probably not what you would normally go and do. <laughs> but cool. I just thought maybe you could try creating something you don't normally create. And you you're a bit like, okay. okay. Which is Yeah, I mean know, I was I was n- reticent. I was I was and I d- didn't cash it in for two years. Um, I think it was only then, one year. I think it was only last year. Was it two? Uh, maybe I think, no. I think it was. You I got it for my thirtieth. So yeah, a year and a bit. Um, yeah. And then you reminded me of it, and then we booked in for the class. When it, when you reminded me of it, I went straight on the website, saw that they're doing a Mount Fuji thing, and I was like, well, that's perfect because Japan's one of my favorite countries ever and um mount fuji seems like a cool thing to paint and we did the thing and they they sent us out the paint kit and um and emma did it with me she's like a she's like a bit of a artist artiste. yeah artiste um and we did it and it was like on zoom with like 50 other <laughs> it's going to sound like i'm generalizing but this is the reality it's like 50 other like young women but yeah no it was super fun and um i took it i i i made myself take it seriously because it's it i think emma expected me to kind of be a goof and take the piss and i did draw a little i ad-libbed a little ufo in there to give a little michael flair but um, I took it seriously, and it was super fun. And we, Emma and I, got a little bit pissed, and it was so much fun. We and we really appreciated the uh, the gift, and uh, really appreciated it coming back around. Yeah, uh, and in the perfect time, like we're we're looking, we're at the moment where we're in lockdown. We're looking for different things to do. It was novel. It was cool. It was fun. It was just the best. And now we've got a bunch of friends that have booked in for another one and we're all going to do a group one. Like, uh, awesome. it's great. So I appreciate it very much. No, no. I'm just glad that it actually paid off and that, uh, releasing that virus in China really, <sighs> I'm just glad that I found a way to get you to use this voucher. <laughs> well, that's our next class. We're going to paint the actual, uh, coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> Just the whole like, uh, mine's gonna have sunglasses. Oh, so it's a cool one. Good summer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, I'm glad that it could be a little bit of a great a gift, and uh, it. it's uh, inspired me to now. Now I want to one up you. Now I, oh. I want to for your birthday. I want to. I want to find something just as kooky and left field. So. Uh huh. Uh. Stay tuned for that, Gosh. or don't. Cause... Okay, yeah. I mean, it's months now. <laughs> I'm it's gonna... quite a while away. Are you? Uh, are, are we entering the mailbag? Is that right? Uh, I would like to enter the mailbag, please. Uh, okay, uh, entering mailbag now. Mailbag, mailbag. It's the weekly mailbag. Deepfoot's mailbag. All right, so this is my first mailbag. I'm a little nervous, <laughs> um, but uh, I gotta say, this is this is some this is some juicy shit. 
So I got sent an email from someone who prefers... Well, they want to be... Okay. They want to be known only as Citizen Q. <laughs> not... <laughs> not Very appropriate. Confused, not to be confused not with Q. Not to be confused with Q, no. Completely different Q. Completely okay. different Q. Please don't misunderstand. I hate that other Q. That Q sucks. <laughs> So I got I usually Nick uh, Nick doesn't give me the uh, the logins for the default password which is fine he's a control freak whatever uh, but um, so sometimes people feel like they need to um, contact me directly and by sometimes I mean one time is this meaning because now. last episode you literally gave out your email address on the podcast and then I people were able to get in no that I did that and it's probably true <laughs> <laughs> did I. Yeah, you gave it out because you wanted my dad to email you directly. <laughs> Which he didn't, by the way. Oh, got it. Uh, still here, Jeff. All right, so. Subject. This is an email email. This is an email email, dude. Okay. Read it. Subject title, observations on etymological research methodology and real-time critique Responses of Deep Thought. I mean, that's a headline. Okay. That's a grabber. I got a feeling I know where this is going. I'm going to read this verbate. Okay. AKA verbatim. AKA word for word. Dear Mr. Zabrecki, I am contacting you because I am concerned with the manner in which your Deep Thought co host, Mr. Shadell, that's you, has defended himself. In regards to your valid linguistic criticisms involving aspects of his speech. Oh. How do you like these apples? It goes on, Nick. Don't interrupt me. While backing up his claim that notify and note were not etymologically linked and therefore should not be pronounced the same. You, by the way, for context, you pronounce them notify and uh not pronounced should not be pronounced the same. Mr. Shadow displayed extraordinary can levels I, of selection inter- bias. Can I just interrupt one one point here, which is that sure. you're mispronouncing my own surname in the point <laughs> of reading. How do you, through. What's your name? What's, what's your name? <laughs> Shadel. What do I say? Shadel. I like a I like a I like a Shadel. <laughs> Like a shadow. It just it undermines like it's, it's like just undermines a little bit of the the the, the juice of your end uh, your email reading when when you're I think actively mispronouncing things. When it comes to names, uh-huh. you can add a little bit more flair. Okay, and not like a little shadow. Zabrajic. I'm gonna call you no, Michael Zabrajic. Well, that's racist, Nick. Oh, so it's racist for All you. Right. Can you stop ruining mailbag? Well, please? I just this wanted is my to... first one. Okay, I'm sorry. Now oh, you know what it's Jesus. like to be me. <laughs> You're not going to want me to agree with that. <laughs> While backing up his claim that notify and note were not etymologically linked and therefore should not be pronounced the same, Mr. Shadell Still saying displayed extraordinarily le- extraordinary levels of selection bias and omission of facts to support his claim. I believe he used his alleged reputation as the smart one on the show. Um... <laughs> I was going to say I disagree with that. <laughs> that was, look, um, I'm actually quite taken by that. Oh, well, we'll get to that later. 
Uh, alleged reputa- reputation as the smart one on the show to appear as if he had found scientific proof for his argument with the assumption that you... <laughs> <laughs> please, tell me, please tell me that in air quotes it says, the dumb one. Please tell me that that's what it says. Please it's tell me way that- worse. It's way worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. As you, me... The one, the one on the show who used to say the N-word sometimes until Nick told him to stop. <laughs> by the way... <laughs> by, wow. I <coughs> never said the N-word on this show that I know of. You definitely did. No, I didn't. If I might have said the N-word. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever said the actual thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, we until Nick told him to stop, would not call his bluff. He admitted, he omitted, for example, that while the verb of note seems to originate in Old to Middle English, it does so from the noun form of note, which does share the same origin as notify. In the Latin notice. Now, the reason I believe this to be intentional selection bias is because even a cursory Google search of the etymology of notify would also reveal that it is a cognate of the word notion, which I believe Mr. Shadows does not pronounce correctly from what I recall. So you might know this person. He also Wait, how, failed how to can f- anyone mispronounce notion? Well, I don't say notion. Ask yourself there. Because okay. uh, you, you have a problem with words, clearly. Uh, he also failed to find anything to support his claim that notify is pronounced like the English not, providing nothing that links these words or anything similar. I would like to also take this opportunity to join Mr. Lewis, presumably Sean, in supporting the correct pronunciation of notify. Pronunciation. Oh, you've, you've gotten my brain. Yeah, the correct pronunciation of pronunciation. notify that... What did I say? You're saying outs, and it's unts. Okay. What? What are you doing? Well, I'm just, is... I'm just, I'm pointing out the the sword. Pronounce, the sword pronounce... cuts two ways. You know, what? I've always, I've always said this is this is the difference between you and me. I'm. It takes a big man to admit that he was wrong, and I'm about to do that. I'm that big man. I've always said pronunciation. Uh huh. And and now that you've corrected me, I will. I will say pronunciation. Oh, I'm very proud of you. I'm a you. great guy. You are Shut a up. bigger man. Shut the fuck up. Okay. Well, the, that was a uh, the correct pronunciation of notify that you have put forward and denounced the incorrect pronunciation, already learning, claimed by Mr. <laughs> Shadow. Until next time. Which is, by the way, I'm going to sign up all my emails with until next time because that's the coolest way to sign up an email. Um, but yeah, there you go. You've been... And I feel like this is the tip of the iceberg because... I'm like the kind of you know we we play we play a, an exaggerated version of ourselves on this on this show, don't Do we? Do we? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm I mean, I'm I kind of play like the dumb inarticulate one. Yeah, the guy play, that drops. You the play N-word. the know-it-all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and and I feel like whenever I've brought up stuff, I mean, I'm not I'm I'm so chill that I won't like. If you tell me that I'm saying something wrong or that you're right, I'll just be like, yeah, whatever, all right, I guess you're right. But in reality, what's happening, and thank you to uh, Citizen Q and uh, Sean Lewis, 
for backing me up here and reaching out. I feel like you're kind of uh, you're blindsiding me here. You're 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 gaslighting me. Actually, you're telling me you're, you're making me feel like the stupid one when in fact you're the stupid one. And when you're when you're researching all this shit, you're leaving out valid and vital information that actually proves that I, in fact, am the smart one. And I've never said the N word. <laughs> well, I'm delighted. That uh, we've all learnt something today about the etymology of uh, note and notify, and I'm so glad that a coward wrote anonymously not to the deep Ford email to Michael, the self-described dumb one, and really <laughs> brought this uh, to our attention. So thank you, citizen. I appreciate Q. it, uh, and I look forward to. Uh, further clarifications from you in the future for Michael's mispronunciations. Um, it is uh, very helpful to have, you know, these kind of things pointed out. And that's why we have a mailbag. Um, and I'm grateful that we've all learned something today about the history of these words. Um, if you recall, in the context of the last episode, when this came up, we were recording the podcast live. So we were not doing a fairly in-depth research <laughs> as to where these words came from. But Wiktionary... That's very convenient, did, isn't it? Wiktionary did not suggest otherwise. So, um, again, I think you're searching for a conspiracy theory because the impact of this uh, mispronunciation thing was obviously a, a fairly grievous one and the only conclusion must be malpractice and and sinister and nefarious intent when in fact it was merely drunken laziness and i don't really care about any of this 